We need to check your thinking. It's the kind of phrase that wouldn't seem out of place in the pages of a dystopian novel. Yet these were not the words of an agent of some totalitarian regime, but rather those of a police officer in the United Kingdom in 2019. Harry Miller, a 53-year-old entrepreneur and former constable, was contacted by Humberside Police following a complaint by an offended party about a poem that he had shared on social media which was deemed to be transphobic. During the course of the conversation, the officer explained that, although not illegal, this nevertheless qualified as a non-crime hate incident. Why, Miller asked, was the unnamed complainant being described as a victim if no crime had been committed? More to the point, why was he being investigated at all? To which came the ominous response, we need to check your thinking. Over the past decade, many people have detected a pattern of minor changes in our culture, a kind of piecemeal reconfiguration at odds with our hard-won rights to personal autonomy. Miller's case is not an isolated affair, between 2014 and 2019, almost 120,000 non-crime hate incidents were recorded by police forces in England and Wales. This sort of development has left a substantial number of us feeling as though we are no longer on secure ground. The tremors are too persistent. The culture wars, although often dismissed by commentators as a manufactured phenomenon, are closely tied to this gnawing sense that something is amiss. Miller's experience is one of many stories in which the principle of free speech has been casually disregarded for the sake of what is perceived to be a higher social priority. Much of this can be explained by a sea change in the public's attitude to free expression and its key function in a liberal society. A new identity-based conceptualisation of social justice has brought with it a mistrust of unfettered speech and appeals for greater intervention from the state. We are left facing that confusing and rare phenomenon, the well-intentioned authoritarian. When those who long for a fairer society are also calling for censorship, we find ourselves stranded on unfamiliar terrain. How are we meant to respond when the people who wish to deprive us of our rights sincerely believe that they are doing so for our own good? Defenders of free speech are often confronted with the accusation that we are indulging in the slippery slope fallacy, the occasional instance of state overreach, we are told, is hardly cause for alarm. Yet the idea that citizens of the United Kingdom might be investigated for non-crime would have seemed unimaginable 20 years ago. One need only have a cursory familiarity with the history of authoritarianism to know that such regimes do not emerge overnight. I am by no means suggesting that we are freewheeling towards a future of gulags and show trials, but there appears to be a general degree of apathy that bodes ill for the preservation of our fundamental liberties. Inevitably, the phrase Orwellian has become something of a cliché and subject to derision by free speech sceptics, but it is predictable only because it is so pertinent. When Christopher Hitchens visited Prague in 1988 to report on the communist regime, he was determined to be the first visiting writer not to make use of the name Franz Kafka. During one of Václav Havel's Charter 77 committee meetings, police burst into the property with dogs and searchlights, threw Hitchens against a wall and arrested him. When he asked for the details of the charge, he was told that he had no need to know the reason. For all Hitchens' best intentions, the Kafka cliché was forced upon him. As he later observed, they make you do it. Similarly, cliché or no, the spectre of George Orwell looms large in current debates about freedom of expression. 
He joins a long line of thinkers who have explored what John Stuart Mill described in 1859 as the struggle between liberty and authority. Opposition to free speech never goes away, which is why it must be defended anew in each successive generation. It is a privilege that has been denied to the overwhelming majority of societies in human history. Our civilization is abnormal, almost miraculous in its dedication to this most estimable of principles. Free speech dies when the populace grows complacent and takes its liberties for granted. In 1644, the poet John Milton penned an elegant apologia for freedom of speech called Areopagitica, a counterblast to the licensing order of June 1643, which would see all printed texts passed before a censor in advance of publication. Midway through his tract, Milton recalls meeting the elderly Galileo near Florence during his period of house arrest by the Inquisition. His crime was thinking in astronomy otherwise than the Franciscan and Dominican licenses thought. The evidence of his studies had persuaded him of the validity of the Copernican theory of the Earth's motion around the Sun. Tellingly, Milton does not defend Galileo's views. At this time, the Ptolemaic model of the universe was accepted by most educated people, but he clearly feels aggrieved at those authorities who would see the free thinkers of the world punished and shamed. 